Oktoberfests, birthday fests, finally, raked fests. Whatever fest they're celebrating this fall, give them gifts that they'll actually want, <clears throat> like drinks, and get them all from Drizzly, an app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on bountiful cornucopias of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them all delivered to their door, or the pile of leaves they're setting in. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get gifting today. Reintroducing the Iced Apple Crisp Oat Milk Macchiato from Starbucks. Now with Starbucks Blonde Espresso and Oat Milk, layered with flavors of apple, cinnamon, and brown sugar, and topped with a spiced apple drizzle. Welcome back, fall. Order today with the Starbucks app. I don't know about you guys, but I love pizza. Pizza was a huge part of my life growing up. I looked forward to it every Friday. My mom would order it. In high school, those Friday nights, I couldn't wait to get home from practice and crush some pizza, pepperoni and onions. And to this day, I still love pizza so much. Nothing better than a slice and a beer. Today's guest is Nick Bogaz, and Nick is a pizza restaurateur. He has several pizza locations in the greater Pittsburgh area. And he's written a book called The Pizza Equation. He helps small business owners and also has a podcast as well. We had a great time talking about what makes a great pizza, his travels and where pizza has taken him. Nick is just an awesome guy. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Nick Bogaz. All right, today we have Nick with us. Nick I don't want to butcher your last name, so can you tell me? <laughs> sure, I appreciate that. It's Bogaz. Bogaz. I'm I'm sure somebody's butchered your name at some point. <laughs> yeah, once or twice. Once or twice. I get that with my and Darian. People go Darren or Darius. I'm like, there's no S in my name. What is that? I'm like, well, how is your life these days? I know a lot has changed since we last talked. Yeah, that's why I was looking back. Um, you know, we we talked probably a, a good couple weeks before. Um, the pandemic really, at least on the east side, you know, you're over there, mm-hmm. maybe saw a little bit more than what we did. But man, um, I've just been trying to have a strong mental approach to this. You know, when people ask how we're doing, you know, rather than saying hanging in there, we've just been saying keeping strong, you know, just trying to have a strong mindset uh, emotionally and, and just um, do the very best we can. And, and I think that's really important right now. Totally. Tell me a little bit about before we kind of continue on that line, I thought I would love for people to know a little bit about your profession. And I was really drawn to it. I mean, who doesn't love pizza? And you're in the pizza business, right? I'd love to hear your, how you got into that. Sure. So I'm 41 now. I've been making pizza since I was 17. Um, I did it for a lot of uh, big corporations before I, I did it for myself. I did it about 16 years for for everybody else and then i said you know what um i don't know why it's pizza but that's what i'm good at and i love it and if i'm going to do it forever i've got to do it for myself so um with my wife and i we took the took the leap about eight years ago in september it'll be eight years and um we have built five uh, restaurants in the in the eight years um we're in the we're right in the middle of the pandemic we were in the process of opening up the sixth store we put that kind of on hold or paused it for the moment. But, um, you know, we're full service, uh, 150 seats in each restaurant, pickup and delivery, pizza, burgers, beer. We have 24 drafts at each beer or at each uh, bar. 
And um, yeah, you know, it's just been real great. I'm a member of the World Pizza Champions team. I've traveled internationally to Italy, London. Um, we compete in Las Vegas every year. We've won three world championship titles um, for, for having the best pizza. And uh, in Italy in 2019, our, our pizza, our chef made was the best pizza in America. Um, named that over in Italy, the best American pizza. So we've gotten a lot of good press out of that. But, um, you know, I, I just love what I do. And, and as I've really, uh, I wrote a book, The Pizza Equation, last, last uh, February. And after writing the book, I really decided I wanted to give back more to the small business community. So I started uh, the Business Equation podcast, and I've really been um, focused on how I can give back and help small businesses. And I think um, it's really become a passion for me. That's wonderful. What makes a good pizza? Like, and you know, I know there's like everybody has different kind of regional ideas of what pizza is. In your mind, what makes a good pizza? Well, you know, I think there's always three different types of guys, right? Like there's the uh, the the sauce guy, the cheese guy, and the dough guy. I mean, and our pizza's got it all. If you like sauce, we've got a great, great homemade fresh sauce. If you like cheese, we use uh, the best in the business, you know, with Wisconsin um, cheese from, from Grande Cheese Company. And and um, if you like dough, we, we have a 72-hour uh, formula that, that takes 72 hours for our dough to proof up and rise and let the yeast activate. And, um, you know, I, I think I think – me personally, I think the dough has a lot to do with it. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and sure everything else comes together, but man, there's nothing like a like a good good crust, that's for sure. Is it now the pizza that you make, is it kind of like a thin crust or is it a thicker? T- tell me a little bit about that. I would say it's more traditional, you know, more being in Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh. Um so being in Pittsburgh, you know, we're not quite um you know, New York and we're not quite Chicago. So we, we don't have like our own, it, it's more of a traditional, it's not super thin, but it's not super thick. It's, it's, um, we do have pan pizzas, but none of them are quite like what they do in Chicago. Um, but I think it's more of a traditional style, but we actually offer in our restaurants, we offer uh, five different types of, of, uh, pizza. We offer a grandma style pizza, which is a quick rise pan pizza. We offer a Detroit pizza, which is a uh, pizza made in blue steel pans that have a a, a, a cheese coating going around it. And then we also have um, a regular pan pizza. And then we have the uh, Brooklyn, which is a thin crust um, New York style pizza. And then we have our traditional pizza. So we actually serve uh, five different styles of pizza that use different cheeses, different sauces. Uh, we have a couple different dough formulas that we use. So, you know, if you brought in your family to to eat at our restaurant and you had a large family and ordered a couple different styles of pizzas, you would almost feel like you're eating at a uh, couple, like you had a couple different pizzas delivered to your table from different pizza right. shops because they taste completely different. What is the kind of the difference? You said you're in Italy and all these places. What's the difference in how maybe Italians view American pizza and vice versa? Yeah. Well, you know, when you go to Italy, it's interesting because there's different regions and the different regions have different styles, almost like New York and Chicago. They have their Roman style or their Neapolitan style over there. But, um, you know, I think their their thought is they invented it and, and theirs is best. <laughs> um, but there's something to be said for that. I mean, um, I like Neapolitan pizza here in the States, but when I uh, spent a week in Naples and they had a, a pizza fest called Pizza Village and every night you would go to this stadium event with know, giant uh, lights that were lighting the sky up and they had a band just rocking it out. 
And um, the one night that the, they had the soccer game was on the big screen and people were cheering. And then in the midst of it, you had uh, 80 different pizza vendors that all had ovens that oh, they wow. were co- cooking on spot, on site, um, right there with the with the uh, ocean coming in. So, I mean, it was just uh, been unbelievable. The pizza there was it was incredible. It really was. What's the difference you think in the taste there versus here? Is there something related to the water, the crust, or ingredients? What is it? They're they're definitely more purists, I would say. Um, but I think American style pizza, you've seen it uh, definitely with the farm to table that you saw in restaurants over the last you know mm-hmm. twenty years or so. I think you're seeing the pizzolas uh, take more pride in their craft. And there, there is a lot that are going over to to Italy and learning how to uh, make pizzas the Italian way and trained in Italian methods. So I think you are seeing a, a big difference in uh, the way pizza is being demonstrated here in, in in the states, and it's definitely influence heavy from Italy. Is the I you know what's funny? I was thinking about oh, when I saw that you do pizza and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love pizza so much. I'm like gigantic pizza eater. I'm very picky when it comes to pizza. And sometimes I think, what does the oven have to do with it? Because I've had some really bad pizza, and then I've had some like amazing pizza. And I'm like, how big of a deal is the oven, the type of the oven that's used for it? I mean, I think you'll have guys that say that it makes a big deal. I think the bake in the oven is probably more important than the actual oven, if that makes sense. Um, Explain that, like the bake. So so it's almost like watching to make sure that it, you know, that the bottom bakes the right way, the top bakes the right way, that if you need to turn it, you're turning it the right way, um, you know, compared to to what style of oven or, or such. But, you know, there are different styles of pizza that require different ovens, and, and that's a big um, big part of it, too. You know, if you're trying to do a Neapolitan-style pizza that that um, uses the Italian flour, you know, it likes a very, very hot oven, um, you know, 900 degrees, and you can't cook that style in a in an oven like a traditional oven that maybe only goes up to five or six hundred degrees. So you're going to see a difference. But um, that's where the bake comes in. You know, it's it's important to have a, a good good overall bake on on the pizza. Is it possible to make a really good pizza in a home oven? Sure, we've actually through this uh, pandemic we've so, we uh, introduced pizza kits, which you get two dough balls. Uh, cheese for enough for two pizzas and then the toppings for them and the flour. And then we've been selling a ton of pizza kits for the house. And uh, my buddy and his family ordered it and he called me up. He's like, I swear the pizza is better in my oven. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, that's just because you, you, you made it, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you can definitely cook a good, uh, good pizza in your oven. Um, a baking stone's a nice thing if you're going to be a home enthusiast and then they also they sell a lot of great ovens right now for the house too they're a little bit on the pricier side but you can you can put a nice um pizza oven you know like you would a air fryer or something like that into your home oh wow that's interesting now you say you competed uh different competitions what's that competition atmosphere like for pizza i'm aware of the pizza one uh in vegas because i lived in vegas for 15 years and I remember them having this competition, and I was like, I should go to that. And I just never went. But what was that like? Yeah, they're um, they're definitely intense. I mean, they really are. You know, it's a whole subculture to the pizza industry, which is really cool. I think uh, a lot of times, like people don't realize um, that certain industries have a subculture, and um, the 
there's a lot of the same guys compete, but there's a lot of new people. Um, the international events definitely draw people from all over the world as far as uh, Korea and Japan and uh, Australia and, of course, Italy and, and all over Europe. But, I mean, there there's some really big competitions. And, you know, on top of the, the competitions for, like, traditional style or non-traditional or maybe Roman-style pizza, they also have uh, acrobatics. So they'll have an acrobatic competition oh. where – if um, you've ever seen somebody maybe on like Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, throwing uh, pizzas yeah. late at night, you know, with all of those guys uh, we, we know. And some of them are even on our on our um, the team I'm on, the World Pizza Champion team that travels all over the world. And I think, um, you know, there's largest dough stretch, there's fastest dough stretch. They even get into there's a fastest box folding competition. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really uh, it's a cool subculture. It really is. Wow. I didn't know that there was that much involved into that there that's it's so weird how you'd like you you see something in the front and you're like oh pizza i'd love to eat pizza and then you don't notice like the back end of it and all the different things that are happening um when did you know that you wanted to be in the pizza business you said since 17 did you know before that well you know pizza in my family was always a cool thing it was uh you know we won the little league game let's get a pizza um you know major confirmation we're gonna celebrate with pizza or whatever it is you know good report card celebrate with pizza and uh, it just it's always a special time in our family and and i think um what happened was is i was washing cars 17 years old and i was getting tips for washing cars and i was at the lunch table and my buddy said to me man i'm making a killing with tips with delivering pizzas and i was like well i guess i'm gonna try this delivering pizza thing and the first uh friday of delivering pizzas i wrecked my car and um you know, I, I didn't give up. I asked my mom to borrow her car. I went back and I uh, drove her car for the next three months or so. And then I wrecked her car. And uh, once I wrecked <laughs> her the car, car wrecking, man. yeah, right. I, I mean, I, I was, I was rough. Um, luckily my kids aren't paying me too back bad or paying me back too bad right now. But man, I had five cars. I, I pretty much totaled from 16 to oh 20. I was gosh. a horrible driver. But, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Awful. But, um, you know, during that time, I, um, I decided to go ahead and then um, start go back to uh, working inside the restaurants. That's that's what happened. I love I love the team atmosphere of the pizza business, and that's really what I fell in love with. I always being a, a sports fan for my in my youth, I just fell in love with the way that that pizza is much a team sport. You know, how do you answer the phone and then make it quick and then take it to the take it to the customer there's so many hands that it touches and passes through that it it feels like um a team sport and i just fell in love with it and um you know i i when i was young i always thought you know i'm good at college and, and everything like that but then you know i became a shift manager at like 19 i was like i'm a manager i don't need college and uh <laughs> I, I really uh but I didn't in the end, but boy, I, I really, you know, I, I struggled for a long, long time before I got my break. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What is that? So, I mean, there's, it feels like there's so many people have like uh, pizza places, you know, and restaurants and some are feel very mom and pop and some are like really polished. Like I've been to some really high end pizza places. Is there, do you guys look at it like, oh, this is a, this is like, what's the difference between the two or what's better or what's not? Is there kind of like, a, you know, kind of an evaluation in terms of that? You know, I think, um, I think that's interesting. I think maybe years ago you didn't have that, but I think that's where the, the wood fired pizza ovens come in. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of those guys realize that, um, 
you know, there's a delicacy to it. They can get a little bit more money for it. Uh, maybe on top of the, pardon me, on top of the wood-fired pizzas, they have, um, you know, pasta dishes too. So it's maybe more yeah. of a high, high end, right? You got the wood-fired pizzas, but you also have the, uh, the, the pasta dishes. And um, I don't know, I think we're middle of the road. You know, we're, we're pizza and beer, draft houses, like wanting it to be fun. I remember... When we were younger, we always went to this place for like uh, fish sandwiches where you could throw the peanuts on the floor. And I just mm-hmm. loved that environment. So when I got the chance to have a pizza restaurant, I said, you know, I want it to be a fun place. People come in. You know, we're not going to put um, all kind of sport sporting um, memorabilia on the walls. But we want it to be a place where, you know, each each place has like 11 TVs in there. We want it to be a place you can watch a sporting event, just have a good time, you know, pitchers of beer and, and um, eat a lot of pizza and, and chow on some wings and just have a great time. And that's kind of the environment we went for. So I don't know. I mean, every, everybody's got their own view of what they want their restaurant to be. And I think uh, a lot of it is based off of personal experience. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I grew up in a military family, so I all over the world. And then as an adult, I pizza is always a large part of like everywhere I moved. And so having like New York pizza, then pizza down south and the Midwest and all these different places. And then I was in Vegas for such a long time. There was like no pizza scene in Vegas for a long time. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, it was all this pizza. And before I left to move to Washington State, we used to always go to this place, uh, 550 Pizza in the Aria Hotel. And it was so good. And I was, But it was like, it was like a high-end pizza place, you know? And I was like, man, what's going on with pizza being so high end, <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. it's so weird to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these times too, like, you know, it justifies the high end. A lot of these guys are flying product in from Italy and, and stuff like that and, and uses some really high end uh, ingredients. And, you know, that makes a difference. I mean, everybody's got their own style and they're looking for their own niche. And like I said, I think personal preference has a, a lot to do with it too. How important is the, maybe this is a bias of mine, but I love drinking beer when I have pizza. Like it's like a big thing for me. Like how important is the beer element and your place for it? Well, I think, I think in the beginning, you know, I, I grew up in the pickup and delivery pizza world. Um, you know, the Papa John's Domino's of the world. Yeah. So I never really imagined having a restaurant. I really didn't. I didn't grow up in a restaurant business. I didn't imagine having a full scale restaurant it just uh, happened to be the deal that that um, I fell into. And once I kind of figured out, hey, wait a second, um, you know, craft beer is like this big thing. It, it, that was 2012. I was like, it's really starting to boom. And I, I said, you know what? Um, the pizzolas, they put so much into the ingredients and the, their craft, and they're so prideful of it. And then the craft brewers were doing the same thing. You know, a lot of these guys started in their garages, and they just – poured their passion in, into this beer. And I said, why don't I marry the two together and, you know, really be craft beer and pizza. Like you see a lot of burger joints do that. Yeah. I, especially here on the East coast, you see a lot of like, uh, you know, the bacon jam burgers for 13 bucks. And then they've got, you know, the high end beers, but in Pittsburgh, there really wasn't a high end um, pizza restaurant that went with um, high end beer. So I, I decided to marriage them together and it's been a very important part of uh, what we do. I think when you hear about the story of Caliente, you can you can see that a uh, seven years we've done five different stores and opened up these locations, built a great team out. And you may think that it happened overnight. I think that's how um, sometimes the story comes off. 
But the truth of the matter is, for the 16 years leading up to that, I got heard a phrase an awful lot that I'm sure many of you guys have heard over the course of your career. And that is, you know, can I just see a show of hands if, you, if you've heard this phrase? That you don't have a real job, you know? Have you heard that before working your way up? I, I know I did for sure. But as I look out here, I see real relationships and real friendships and real mentorships and real passion and real pride. And for a lot of us, a real purpose in our lives. And my grandfather used to always tell me something as a young boy. He said I could be anything that I wanted to be. Oh, no, wait, that was Mr. Rogers. <laughs> my grandfather used to tell me it didn't matter if I was shoveling manure or whatever I was doing to just do my best. And I'm glad that I ended up doing pizzas rather than manure. But I always kept it on my mind to no matter what I did, just to do my best. So that's kind of where, where everything has taken me to, to this point. That's awesome. And you said, what was it? Did you say 24 uh, types of beer? What'd you say? I'm sorry. I think I missed that a little bit. No, you're good. So we have, um, yeah, 24 drafts on at our locations. We have 150 bottles um, in our bottle oh, wow. coolers. So yeah, we have a heck of a selection from uh, all over the world and all across the states. Oh my gosh. You know, I have relatives that live in Pittsburgh and when this is all over, man, I'm coming there, man. You I'm just going let me know right that rest. Yeah, I will, man, because like everywhere I visit, I have to have pizza. Actually, I had this amazing pizza in Montana not that long ago, and it was a brewery. So their thing, there was a brewery that had pizza. It was kind of like the opposite around, you know. Okay. But the pizza was amazing, and uh, it was right on the campus of Montana State. It's really good if you ever get out there. It's like excellent pizza, amazing beer. And so I'm, I'm, I consider myself someone who's like just loves craft beer and loves good pizza. So this all extremely appeals to me <laughs> in that sense, you know. That's uh, great. The- I think the other thing that was really interesting was when we first started, you know, everybody opens up a pizza shop and says, I have the best pizza. Like that's what mm-hmm. everybody says, you know. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that guy. And I uh, found out that if we could get certain kegs of beer that were really like the one-offs. You know how breweries make like once a year, they make this special yeah. beer. I figured out if I could get those kegs, we could pack the, the beer enthusiasts in. So we actually, for probably the first three to four years of our existence, were known as like a craft beer bar destination, more than a pizza shop. Oh, wow. like we, we were known as, um, you know, number one craft beer bar in Pittsburgh. Like that was our, right from the beginning, you know, there was maybe five to 10 great craft beer bars in Pittsburgh. And I said, I want to be in the same breath. And that was our that was our mission, our focus. And then people would come in and eat the pizza, and they'd be like, "Wow, like this is not bar food. This is great pizza." And right, you know, right. all the other food, we made sure we elevated it to the same status. And um, what was interesting is when we started to go out to these competitions in Vegas and win. That's when it started to switch, and we were able to, um, you know, really go ahead and push that we have a great pizza and being able to market the pizza. So then, for the next two or three years, it was like we were marketing, you know, pizza of champions and everything like that. And then, you know, fast forward to today, and now we're able to uh, definitely advertise both, you know, the the pizza and the beer together. 
And um, it was a really interesting, but it was really rewarding for me being a pizza guy for so long that I kind of took a back seat and just let um, the beer side of it run my business and, and be humble about it. And then eventually when we started getting all these accolades for pizzas, it was like, well, and getting notices like a great uh, person in the industry for pizza, it became really rewarding because, you know, I, I mean, I guess I did take a chance by just letting, you know, it was more important to me that the business would come in and the sales would come in. So that's why I pushed the beer, but it was really rewarding to start to get noticed for uh, being a great, great pizzola. That's awesome. What was some of the, um, well, what are some of the one-off beers that you do each year? So, you know, a lot of the great breweries, um, they'll come out with these special beers. Um, we got a lot of East coast beers that, that we, yeah. that we get, um, you know, there's some great ones by Trogues. They make a nugget nectar bells out of Michigan makes hop slam, what we did really interesting was um, I I started to really push the local beer because it was also very big. And, and um, you know, out in the West, it's very big as well, the, the, all these yeah. local breweries. So we started to partner with these uh, local breweries. And rather like back in the beginning, you know, most bars, you know, Friday nights, they'll bring in like the Bud Light Girls or Poor Pitchers. And that's what they do. Yeah. And I said, you know, I don't want to be that that bar. I want to, I'd rather bring in a brewer with like a big giant beard and have him talk about uh, – <laughs> have him talk about the beer that he made, you know, and that's what, that's kind of the, what we went for on Friday promos. So rather than having, you know, these Bud Light girls, we had these brewers with like, you know, giant beards and they're talking about how they brewed this beer and the, the, the yeast and all the activation and, you know, everything that went into it, the fermentation of it. And um, then we became really good friends with the, the head brewer of the one brewery right by us. And by doing that, um, you know, he came in one night and he was saying the brewery's going through a bunch of changes and and want to know if he could come work for us. And I said, well, we're opening up our second store. And um, this is back in 2014. And um, and I said, yeah, you come work for us, you know, and he texted me or emailed me the next day, said, hey, I know I was drunk last night, but yes, I really want to come work for you. <laughs> so we, we got a, uh, a experienced head brewer that's been with us for the past five years. He is um, our beverage director. And with his help, we have collaborated with 12 different breweries where we go in, we either bring him and myself or or, or uh, our team of maybe all our bar managers in, and we'll brew a beer that's uh, Caliente and whatever brewery. We've done them um, Philadelphia, Ohio, all over Pittsburgh, um, you know, national well-known breweries. And uh, we make a beer together that's uh, they sell in the brewery and we sell in the Calientes. And, um, you know, it, that way we we guarantee that we have a one-off beer because it's only for the brewery and for us. And we've had a lot of success with that. We have one in Pittsburgh that comes out every October called the plague. It's a, uh, if you like a sour beer, it's a, uh, oh. a it's a dark sour beer, uh, sour stout. And it actually, you know, in the, that's another um, industry that has a subculture. You know, there's a lot of beer trading that goes on and the plague actually has been one of those beers that's sought after and gets, gets traded around on these beer trading sites. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool. You know, it, it's uh, definitely been a, a unique part of our business. Wow. Uh, plague. I, I've drank a lot of beer in my life. I've never heard of that. But then like, I think about like us West coasters here, I've lived on many parts of the world, but like, do you guys have yingling? I mean, anybody listening to this who is not from the East coast, you will not know what this is probably, <laughs> but you yeah, guys we're like, we're like uh, maybe three hours from Pottstown where they make Yingling. Yeah. So we sell a ton of Yingling. We, we have, um, you know, Yingling's one of our, our uh, probably biggest sellers. We, you know, we don't have, 
What's the interesting too out of those 24 taps, we don't have all your typical uh, domestic beers on. We have um, one light beer and we have one domestic and that's Yingling. And then we have a light beer and then the other 22 always rotate or never the same. They switch up all the time. But um, yeah, Yingling is one of our mainstays. It was interesting. I This is just me personally. I avoid places that serve a ton of like Coors Light, Michelob Light and all that. I just, I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. Uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, I don't get it either. We do. <laughs> we, we sell one light beer. We partner with Coors Light just because, um, you know, you got to play the game. You know, these, I get that part. Yeah, yeah just, that's what it is. We put, play the game with Yangling, play the game with Coors Light. They've got big distributors so they can, uh, you know, by buying that beer, they also wholesale a ton of these small breweries. So, if we support the big ones, they make sure we get the the good little ones. So, you know, yeah. we play the game. Totally understand. So how have you had to pivot with uh, the pandemic and your business? I would imagine like all of a sudden, this was a big change, you know, for your restaurants. Yeah, it was. We have about 200 employees. We have about 75 furloughed. We had about 100 in the beginning. We were able to bring 25 back to help us with the uh, phone orders and, um, and takeouts. Uh, you know, we were lucky enough to already have pickup and delivery. Well, the first two to three weeks, there was a ton of fear, really slowed everything down. Um, you know, we, we've, we were out in front of it. Like as soon as this thing happened, we were, had flyers made up for no contact delivery, uh, curbside pickup. We did a great growler special from the very beginning for the beer. Um, we've, we've done a lot of things to just stay on top of top of everything. We did the pizza kits that I mentioned. Um, you know, it wasn't so much about shifting and pivoting. It was more about adapting because, you know, what we know before, if you take like Q4 of last year, early part of 2020, like the normalcy of that is, is gone in my opinion. So you got to close the door and just adapt to the new normal. What do you think that's going to be with like the capacity of your restaurants and, you know, people coming to dine-in services? I think a lot of it is what I've seen through this is just the way that it went down. We watched a lot um, from our governor and then a lot of what the mayor said because, and so much, and a lot on Twitter, like it wasn't so much what they were saying, it was what they were tweeting. And I think that's what was really important is, you know, watching the guidelines that they set forth. And that's, that's the thing. Like everybody's asking what, what is it going to mean going forward for restaurants? And honestly, like, we don't know, you know, till, Till they decide and tweet out what they want us to do, we don't know. You know, they're saying May eighth for for our uh, state, but we were the one of the first counties because it's a heavily um, populated one that mm-hmm. we were one of the first ones to have all the all the restrictions. So I'm assuming we'll be one of the last ones to get the restrictions. So why even think of you know are we going to have to have servers with masks on when maybe they won't even open our dine in till the middle of June and by then you know. With nobody's wearing masks like you don't know i think the biggest thing is we just have to to stay uh, stay ahead of it and just and just wait and see w- what they uh what they want us to do i mean you know the staying ahead of it part is just having an open mind to you know whatever direction they point us to that's the direction we'll go what do you think have been some i don't know maybe some things that maybe you've been I don't want to say force, but maybe just you had to move into maybe just because of the changing nature of this. Maybe have there been any innovations in your business or different things you wanted to try that now you just kind of had to do? 
I, I think the biggest thing is, is not being afraid to, to do anything. Um, you know, we watched a lot of what's nice about like the world we live in is you have Facebook, you have friends all over the country, especially, you know, in the industry. So you can see what they're doing. And, you know, as this thing happened, a lot of states shut down before us. A lot of states are shutting down after the same thing's going to happen when they open back up. States are going to mm-hmm. start to open before other states. So you can kind of be a copycat and copy a lot of things that were, are working in other places, but they haven't come to your market first. Um, I don't know if we've really been, you know, sure, we got forced a lot in, in all of this, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't look at it as being forced. I just feel like we've been very a- adaptable. Like that's that's kind of. You know, if you feel like you're getting forced, I think it's almost negative. Like, I just feel like, you know, we're just adapting because that's what we do, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes perfect sense. It definitely is. I just wonder, like, with different businesses, you know, like, maybe there was something they were thinking of putting into play, but they were like, well, we don't really need to do this because nothing's really pushing them to do that. I just wonder, like, was there some innovative idea or anything like that that maybe... You're like, well, now's a good time to try it out type of thing, you know? Yeah. I'm I mean, curious for, about that with businesses, you know? Yeah. I mean, for us, um, a lot of it was clear cut. I mean, the biggest thing that we did that worked was definitely the um, pizza kits. I mean, I can't tell you how many mm-hmm. takeout pizza kits we've sold. It's ridiculous. And something so uh, mundane that you would never think would, would work, and it did. Um, the no contact delivery, the... the uh, curbside pickup, bringing pizzas out to people's cars, like all that stuff has definitely changed. I can't say it was anything we wanted to do in the first place, but right. you know, it's been interesting. We have Mother's Day coming up soon. We're figuring the restaurants are going to be closed for Mother's Day. So we're going to do a, um, a heart-shaped pizza that we usually do for Valentine's Day. We're oh, going to do nice. a heart-shaped pizza and a bouquet of flowers for, you know, X price and, and uh, kind of advertise that. So, you know, we're trying to just keep ahead of the curve, but I think, um, you know, it's just a really interesting time. You just you just can't can't rest is what it is. You just got to make sure that you're being really active in, in this environment. Um, beyond, you know, what's going on with the pandemic, obviously things would be different. But down the road, like what are your what is your ambition with your business? I know you said you were going to open a, another spot or any other any other things you'd like to do within the business that you're kind of long term plans. Well, you know, I, I really enjoy it is what it comes down to. And, um, you know. What I started in the very beginning, I said, hey, you, you know, I'll be successful when I open up a, a restaurant. My kids at that time were 12 and 10. And I said, I, when I do three things is when I'll be successful. When I can pay for my kids college, know how, you know, I had no savings. Um, when I can figure that out, when I can buy a car from from this century and I wanted to move into <laughs> a little bit bigger house, you know, and, and um, after about the first year in business, I was like, boy, like I'm going to be able to do all three of those. Like, wow, you know. Am I successful? And I really had to to decide, like, what does that word mean? It means something different to everybody. But what I decided it means to me is when I can create those situations for the people that work for me, that they can go out and do the things for their families and for themselves that they want to do, then I'll be successful. So that's what drives me. That's why we open more stores. You know, I could have stopped at one and been comfortable for the rest of my life. I could have definitely stopped at two and been comfortable. But we keep opening them so we can keep creating career positions for the people who helped, who have helped us build this thing. So, you know, that's the way we look at it. And it keeps working. So we're just going to keep building them, um, you know, put a lot of focus into that. And just we really feel like that anywhere in Western Pennsylvania, we want to be a 10 minute drive for you to go have a great pizza and beer. And, um, you know, that that's been our focus and we're, we go and find 
really good deals, restaurants that were struggling, that had some sort of pain, and we, we're buying them out and then redoing them as fast as we can. We've, we, we have flipped restaurants in four days. Uh, like, Whoa. Yeah, like <laughs> Bar Rescue, but in real life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we've, we've done that successfully now. Um, you know, every time that we go into a restaurant and, and we bring in like 30 people and just go wild and, you know, paint the walls, bring in new tables, put in new back bars, put in new keg systems. I mean, we've got plumbers on top of electricians and all the way down the line. And we're just uh, we're just going at it and we're having a good time. So, you know, we're just going to keep keep going at it. And then I think, you know, on the other side, like I kind of alluded to, you know, I've really gotten into the the giving back side of, of uh, you know, in the beginning, I didn't realize how much knowledge I really had over over the course of my career. But, you know, I've learned so much on the business side, um, stuff that really, really is effective. And I've learned so much on the pizza side as well. So I decided, you know, that's why I wanted to write a book. That's why I started a podcast. That's why I'm working on, um, you know, another book. And that's why I'm, I'm uh, just happy to, to be able to give back to that community. And I think it's uh, just really important. So I think the part that, that I try to, you know, I, I think the restaurant part I've got going in the right way, the part that I'm trying to really build is, you know, the, the, my brand, I guess, you know, and uh, give them, give them back. And I think um, I've done a lot of speaking to over the last so many years, um, I had a keynote speak at one of the the big uh, pizza pizza events in Atlantic City, the Pizza and Pasta Northeast show. I, I um, before Vegas got canceled this year, I had five seminars on the dockets. Um, I've done a lot of seminars for all the pizza expos. So you know, there's just um, I just enjoy all that stuff, and that's where I, I see that um, just getting bigger and bigger. And then um, on top of that, you know, as long as we can keep opening these restaurants up that, that are successful and create career opportunities for our employees. That's what we're going to keep doing. As um, you mentioned about the podcast and what have you enjoyed the most about it uh, with, with doing it? You know, it's interesting. Um, the reason I, I decided to do it was I've always done, my buddy has a, a beer podcast, like six, seven years ago, he started it. So, you know, before, yeah, he's been doing it a while. So, he would have me on and, and I would do it. And, and I, you know, he got me comfortable for doing them. And then when I wrote the book, I was like, you know, I want to promote the book over a podcast. So I went on every single pizza podcast I could. And um, then after doing the podcast, I was like, you know what? I really like doing them. I, I just do. I, it's um, a, a new media. It, it's still up and coming. And I just really enjoy um, doing them. So I said, why don't I start my own, you know? And and after writing the book, I thought, you know, it's it's pizza focused. I said I wanted to do a little bit. It's called the Pizza Equation. I said I want to do something a little bit more business focused. So I started the Business Equation podcast rather than another pizza podcast. Um, which probably, if I'd have went the pizza po- podcast uh, route, I probably would have had more followers right away because I already had a following in the in the pizza industry. If that makes sense. Yeah. But sure. you know, I'm not scared to go out and try and really build something. Um, on the on the small business side of it, so that's that's what I wanted to do, and that's I think um, it's just been fun. It's it's fun to get the good feedback. I think when you have a podcast and your your mine have been a little bit different. I haven't done a ton of guests. I'm doing a lot of um, on my own, uh, going over tips and ta- tactics. They're about twenty minutes. My idea was, you know, if you're going from here to another one of your locations, you can pop it on your car, listen to it in twenty minutes, and hopefully you got something for a week. And that was kind of kind of what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, the most rewarding part is definitely when when people message me and they're like, "Man, I really enjoyed this point or that point. Well, I got something out of it." And then, 
you know, because it's hard in the beginning when, you know, when you start a podcast, you're like, okay, uh, 24 people listened. Uh, is this worth my time? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, but everybody goes through it, you know, uh, and, yeah, of and course. Uh, when you do that and then one person says, Hey, I got this out of it, or this saved me on, on this thing, or this, you know, gave me an idea that I got all these sales from or whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, that, that was worth it. You know? And then before you know it, it's not 24 people. You've got a, a pretty good following and then you've got, it's not one person messaging a week telling you they got something out of it. It's, you know, a handful or, or maybe yeah. more than that. And it's, it's just a cool feeling. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of people help me on the, on the way up and I just want to be able to give back the same way, if, if not better. That's really cool. I love that. I mean, it's, I had a sense about you, Nick. I, I, I think I saw you on LinkedIn or, or somewhere. I can't remember because I'm always talking to people, but I remember reaching out to you. I remember thinking like pizza. There's something about this. It was like a personal thing for me. I was like, I got I had no idea like I'd meet somebody who was in the pizza business. Oh, I want to have this person. My podcast, it was just like, it came to me. You know, I was like, I saw it. I was like, okay, I would like to talk to somebody about pizza. And I think that's the fun thing for me with podcasting is just all these different topics, all these different people. I guarantee somebody's going to go, oh, pizza podcast episode is going to be amazing. I love pizza. And I, I can't wait to get that because I know yeah. how personal pizza has been for me and my life and how much I enjoy it. And obviously, it's been a gigantic part of your life. And I am extremely grateful that you gave me any time to talk to you about this. I really am. Oh, no, I appreciate you having me. I, I think that's what's fun about the podcast, too, is, you know, sometimes you get on and uh, people really go into the business side or sometimes um, they'll go into the personal side. But, you know, it's fun to go into the pizza side. Uh, you know, what makes a good pizza? What do you like? Is it, you know, is it yeah. this or what? what's a bake mean? Like, it, it, that's fun, man. I, I think this is a great podcast. I really appreciate you having me on. And I hope your listeners really enjoyed it as well. And, um, you know, we're on the search for the perfect pizza. That's for sure. Always on a quest. <laughs> well, speaking of that last thing, what is your favorite pizza? You know, I, I think, um, I, I think for me, my mood switches every once in a while. Like, mm. you know, there's, it, it really does. There's certain pizzas that I eat that remind me of certain times. You know, I, when I worked downtown, when I was real young, for whatever reason, the pizza that they made is like a crew pie was a uh, pepperoni and onion. And man, I, you know, there's times where I may not eat a pepperoni and onion pizza for a couple of years, but then I'll just get a, a craving for it or a hankering for it. And, uh, you know, man, um, it's just so good. Or, or it's just, um, maybe it's just that cheese pie. You know, sometimes I like to underbake it a lot and almost like a school lunch cheese pie where it's just, <laughs> it's just melted and the dough's still a little doughy. Like, I don't know, man. It's all, all what my mood is, but I just really in, enjoy pizza. And I'll tell you what, that pizza village that I mentioned in Italy, that was like uh, dying and going to pizza heaven. <laughs> it was unreal. There's so, that so good, many huh? choices. It really was. It was, I mean, geez, the pizza was so great. And um, yeah, I just really, really enjoy eating pretty much any pizza, as you probably could tell. And I think, <laughs> yeah, you know, my favorite one's the next one. <laughs> That's a great answer. My favorite pizza is the next one I'm going to eat, man. Wow, that's amazing. Nick, you're a good guy, man. And uh, like I said, when this is all passed, hopefully you know, you know, we can start traveling, doing things. I would love to visit your restaurant. Like I said, have family there. My wife's from Pennsylvania. I grew up in Mifflinburg in central Pennsylvania. 
And uh, so I have a big history with Pennsylvania, and I would love to make some new memories at a, another pizza place. I just love pizza, so thank you. Please do, absolutely. If you make it this way, please contact me. Awesome. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Want to tell the people in your life you appreciate them? Stand out with the best gift ever. Minky Couture Luxury Blankets are the best gift ever for appreciation and recognition to say thank you every day of the year. And you won't have to worry about the best gift ever being late because Minky can fulfill your orders without the supply chain frustrations. Minky Couture has you covered at MinkyCouture.com.